Welcome back to another episode of the Scoop College Basketball Podcast presented to you by Hoop Scoop Media. We are podcasting late on Tuesday night, probably a little later than both of us wanted, but, you know, we got to bring the content to you regardless. So we are here probably past your bedtimes podcasting about college basketball. So since we're up late trying to bring this content to you, I think you should follow our social media accounts um, at Hoopscoot Media, Instagram, Twitter, and our website, hoopscootmedia.com. There has not been a ton of content on those platforms lately, but we did uh, put out an Instagram post this week, a graphic of the leading rebounders in every state in the country, uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, um, Isaac Mushilla was their leading rebounder. Their fans all went crazy. A lot of their players, coaches, and all that stuff reshared it. So just got to give a shout-out to the Islanders, who are also playing great basketball right now as well. I think they're the number one seed in the Southland the last time I checked. I've seen them in some brackets recently in that 16 line. So, yeah. Can't help but give a shout-out to uh, Steve Lutz and that program. But moving on, we do have some very interesting storylines within coaching and that stuff this episode to cover. So the first coaching news, we don't need to touch on this for long at all. But Greg Heyer, he's gone at New Mexico State. It's official. It was it was just going to happen. Um, we just had to touch on this because he is um, like officially gone from the program. Um, yeah, we touched on all the New Mexico State stuff last week and all that stuff with that program. Um, I'm not sure if we mentioned this last week, but they had a four-star, um, Darius Carr, who decommitted from the program. Um, so yeah, it's just, just a terrible message happened there, but we already talked about all that stuff. We just needed to touch on that hire is officially fired. And they will look for a new head coach. We're not going to go too in-depth on that because I honestly have no clue like what type of guy from where the Aggies are going to look for for their next coach. But we have some other coaching news, and this one's an interesting one. Chris Beard, his charges were dismissed. Um. So what's what's your first reaction to this, Dan? It changes the game for the future of his career, although it <laughs> it, it it does come down to there's still the, the the recency of it. I don't know that it markedly changes the probability that Beard is in the game in the coaching game as soon as next season, but there are certain I like I liken it to the Power Five football sphere or like Hugh Freeze going to Liberty, not that it's the same. Obviously, that's Hugh Freeze, a completely different backdrop to his off-the-field side of his career. But there are certain there are, there are certain athletic departments that are more, not risk-happy, but they're less risk-averse than others. And this this development with Beard legally paves the way to, I think, uh, him finding a home at that kind of institution, one that has taken more... Uh, it's not you don't even call it outside the box hire, but you just call it a a 
a hire where you have to acknowledge, you have to acknowledge, or at least be prepared to defend against, um, you know, the, 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 some blowback that can come from the reality of what Chris Beard's name is attached to, which is serious. But then this is, this is something to account for as well. The fact that you have these, uh, this change in the whole way it's, it's officially considered with the charges being dismissed. So I, I don't know exactly what to make of it in this moment. Cause I don't, I still don't think that if I were an AD, I'd be, I'd be, I really would want coach Beard to have a whole year off. And that's honestly, unfortunately, like skeptically, my skeptic side would say that's really just for the sake of just, just as a public kind of, you get, you, you kind of measure public opinion that way, kind of let it recede a little bit, but, uh, oh, but also as a matter of practical purpose, I think Beard probably, regardless of this, the technicalities about the charges, which matter, like the dismissal, the dismissal matters, but Coach Beard probably also benefits professionally. And may, I, I, I can't know this for sure, but it may be in some ways personally, just from getting some time and space and then entering interviews, because he probably will end up now at the dismissal, having multiple interviews at a time, at, at a certain time. Uh, as soon as he gets one, I'm sure there'll be others lining up, you know, just to get, get, the, get an idea of where he is. Uh, and so I, I think all parties would benefit from, I'm sure we'll hear back from him in, in 2024. Yeah. So this will be a interesting situation to monitor because I mean, there's Chris Beard, obviously, I mean, like you read, you read the police report from that uh, situation. He obviously still did something. And that's why I would be very skeptical in hiring him. But at the same time, if you're a program and you hire him, you may suffer some backlash, which is obviously going to happen if you were to hire him based on everything that came out. But on the other hand, like legally, you can do this and there will be no legal consequences with this stemming from this. I mean, like obviously completely different situations, but you look back at how Rick Pitino was kind of like, um, like people didn't want to hire him because the NCAA violations were still kind of looming. So like, that's why he kind of like, I think he coached like overseas and went to a smaller school in Iona. And I mean, those, those are clear now. So he could, he could potentially, we could see him, as a high major mover, obviously Chris Beard is a completely, as I've said, it's not close to the same situation, but it's the same concepts in that like people that you're kind of skeptical on because of legal issues, like there's no legal issues anymore with Beard, but I still would be skeptical in hiring him because it all could raise some questions about the program's integrity hiring someone who just got fired for that reason. Um, but yeah, if, and it will be a certain type of program that hires Beard, um, like Notre Dame, which is an open job, like they would, that's just the last place that uh, he would ever go because, I mean, obviously a Catholic institution isn't going to hire someone that allegedly beat his wife or fiance in the past year. But like, I don't know if like Ole Miss, they're probably going to open. Um, what, what would you think about that? I don't mean to 
I don't want to sound like I'm profiling SEC schools because not every SEC program runs the same way, obviously, needless to say. But Ole Miss probably fits the fits the profile of what I would generally be thinking about. I guess by default, like the commerce label I would start thinking of is the SEC, which is kind of ironic because Texas is on its way there, of course. Uh, but Ole Miss could be one, but I don't even know if it necessarily would be a P5 necessarily. Like I'm trying to find – I keep saying Liberty because they have so much money. But they're not they they're not ever going to be able to join a P five conference for a variety of reasons, in, in my eyes. Uh, what's 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 the school I'm missing? I'm like I'm. I, you mentioned bedtime. You know, I I need to I need to not have the cobwebs get in the way of my brainstorm. I mean, we're thinking of Baylor's right there, still in the Big Twelve. Like I think of the the Art Bryles thing. I don't know that Baylor would. Again, I bring up football, and Baylor's in a not in a spot where I think they're going to be ever be looking for. A, a I feel like some people you know? are kind of like. Uh, saying maybe he could go to New Mexico State. That's that would be oh, no, very. See, I, don't think he, I, I get what they're saying, but I think that's gotta be a troll because New Mexico State it, it needs like the most like squeaky clean <laughs> it could find, right? Yeah. Um. The thing, I mean, if I mean Beard's, pro- they're probably not gonna hire him because it just happened this year. But like Jan's, Jan's had some issues in the past. Um not to this level, but he was fired from Bowling Green um, for, I believe he was at like a club and was like touching some woman that was uh, not his wife. Um, I believe that's generally what happened. So, I mean, obviously New Mexico State, they've never ran, ran like the most uh, clean program, especially some of the guys they've gotten. Like this example, like, Ted Yellen, he had a crazy past. Um, obviously, he was able to stay out of trouble uh, at New Mexico State. But, yeah, I, I think because of what this program has gone through, they wouldn't want to hire someone that just got fired for a non-basketball reason. But that would be interesting. I, th- I think he would be a to really turn the program around, but I don't know if New Mexico State – or be willing to go that way. And I don't think Chris Beard would even take that job, honestly. That's just kind of an interesting thing that I've seen people throw around. Um, so I guess any more thoughts on Beard, this whole situation before we move on? I'm still processing the New Mexico State suggestion because while historically that might have made sense, like just in light of recent events, I, I laughed. I almost feel like it was inappropriate for me to laugh because like that that just that is probably off limits for New Mexico State's athletic administration. They they have to they have to just completely reinvent. That's part of what's telling though about NMSU is that we would assume that Beard would be an acceptable link to them. And I think they have to completely reinvent the image of their program where that's just like not to the point where they're, they're Notre Dame or something like that, but to the point where you you don't start attaching like not like it's questionable the right word. We're always like switching up adjectives for it. Just and and sketchy is far too strong. But Certainly controversial. I think New Mexico State has has to has to dispel itself from from controversy for the next several recruiting cycles, right? To kind of just reset the whole. Like you talk about resetting the program, uh, but then I guess getting back on Beard, I I struggled to pinpoint a particular program. I wanted to get examples who weren't who weren't just religious universities either, because I don't I don't want to paint them with a broad brush either. Not every faith based institution is going to handle athletics the same way either, but. Yeah, I, I'm stuck. I'm a little bit stumped on Beard, but I'm more confident now that he'll be back in 2024, or at least back in the news cycle in terms of interviews. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he could be back this year. I mean, I would put it like maybe 50-50 chances back this year, maybe even higher. Like, yeah, there's nothing really stopping anyone from hiring him at this point. I mean, obviously, I mean, like legally, like, I mean, like for a specific type of program, and that might be Ole Miss, that might be someone else, like, that could really pay dividends because he's going to be a great basketball coach wherever he goes. That has never been in question. And also getting off topic here a little bit on the New Mexico state stuff. So like their AD, he has to make a great hire here because his job is in jeopardy if he doesn't. And he was even lucky to not get fired after this whole situation went down, even though he's been a, he's made good hires. He's made one terrible hire and it's kind of just like overlooked everything good he's done because, and it was a bad hire from the start looking back at it. Like I didn't do all my research, but hire has worked under, um, Larry Ustashi, um, uh, Greg Marshall and who will wait, will wait. Um, so like, and like he could he could win, but um definitely very questionable hire when New Mexico State's kind of a program that brings in a lot of guys with troubled past, like have got arrested before, and the guy you choose to lead these young men is a guy that just doesn't care about integrity at all. So yeah. Just wanted to throw it in there that New Mexico State better make a good hire. And, yeah. But moving on, enough about Chris Beard, New Mexico State, Greg Hire. Radford's Darius Nichols, their head coach, has been arrested for DUI. Um, it, This is recent news, so I'm not sure if the school has put anything statement out yet. I didn't see one. Um... This is interesting because Radford has been good this year, and I really like Nichols as a coach. He's in his second year at Radford, I want to say, after uh, Mike Jones took the UNC Greensboro job. But, yeah, like he's a legitimately good coach, and it will be interesting to see how this program moves forward. I know... Gonzaga with Mark Few, they just suspended him a few games. I don't know what they're gonna Radford is gonna do with Nichols. Um, I guess I don't know if they would fire him for this. I mean, I I kind of hope they don't fire him. I don't know if this is because like he's such a good coach, and I think as long as he's clean from now on, you can just not just chalk this off as nothing, but just like learn from it and just don't do anything stupid again. But just like, just like a message out there, like just don't put yourself in the situation. Like he could have called any of his assistants, GAs, managers, whatever. And they probably could have picked him up instead of him being in the situation in the first place. Any quick thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I mean, if this were, I think I I often like in situations like this with a head coach, I often think, what if this were a player? 
like that player would be getting crushed and the and the coach gets cru- I think the coach can get crushed as well. Certainly not not above the law, not not saying anything or shattering there. Um I I'm not exactly sure what Radders Radders Radford's is that kind of night again. Radford's institutional outlook on personnel matters like this is, but I'd be a little bit on the surprise side or actually significantly surprised if this actually led to him losing his job. But yeah, I, it's, I doubt it's, it's it will. It's a poor example done. to be setting for your your players. There's no doubt about that. Like it's a very obviously DWIs and everything of that nature. It's a big deal, you know, when you're talking about college students, college campuses, and you know everything that goes on, on the weekends. You want you want, you want you, this is a poor example for not only student athletes but the students in general. So it's uh. I could see a suspension. Like, again, we haven't seen the statement yet, but certainly there needs to be a definitely very public acknowledgement of the fact that there's, there's gotta be a, there's gotta be more than what you can reduce to a slap on the wrist. But at the same time, you know, proportionality is really hard to dictate. I'm not sure what the precedent is at Radford or similarly sized schools. So, but it, it's definitely, I'm glad that it's unprecedented situation because you don't want it really, these are such key role models for entire athletic departments, you know, really high profile coaches and, men's and women's basketball and football. So when they're behaving badly such as this, it's disappointing. Yeah, and yeah, Radford is ha- having a good year. Um, yeah, I highly doubt that Nichols will actually be fired, but if he gets, like, suspended for, like, say, the rest of the season because there's not that many games left in the season, that could still be detrimental to what happens with uh, that program going forward. So, yeah, it just sucks to see. Bottom line, I hope he can learn from his mistakes, and I hope this never happens again. And, yeah, that's all I really have to say. Some other coaching news that is not the best is Lafayette's uh, Mike Jordan. He was placed on paid administrative leave. Um, The school had to say anything about it. But I saw it was uh, reportedly related to verbal abuse of his players. Um, I, I don't really have many thoughts on this one, honestly. Uh, well, I guess what do you have to say about the situation? Curious to see as the process plays out, the investigation, what it could reveal. Uh, I I I think that the last time Mike Jordan was in the news was he was wearing was he the head coach was wearing the Jalen Hurts jersey for a game was he I don't I need to check my um, research I believe he he was and that's that's on a lighthearted note like I'm just bringing that up because that that was the previous time I had heard his name not that it's nearly as important as yes he was he was rocking the Jalen Hurts for the uh, for that Super Bowl weekend I believe anyhow that was big in my area he he was he was trending for that reason now to see him trending for this reason is pretty startling. Uh, and I do think that it's a good thing that the institution is going ahead and not wasting time. That it's a it's not a necessarily an unfair situation for the head coach Jordan that he is on a paid leave situation. He's getting his money, but also rather than having this active conflict of interest of his his being under investigation while trying to actively coach, just go ahead and make it simple, make it simpler, and everybody involved make it a situation where you have a very clear understanding of who the acting head coach is going to be. Uh, the whole situation is murky, but also I salute Lafayette for uh, making a pretty. I, now, I, my inference is that this seems pretty swift. It, it's it it says that they had received a complaint. Uh, we don't say it. The college's statement doesn't say 
how long ago or what time that complaint was received, but uh, clearly, you know, they're not going to go into a ton of details, but this complaint had to be pretty merited based on what the administrators decided to do here with the with the paid leave situation. Clearly, there there was enough here that there wasn't just this might not have been a one off either. The, the statement by Lafayette makes it sound like it was a single complaint, but I don't know if maybe this was a group that kind of came forward and said we have our, a certain amount of shared concerns. Uh, but I, I'm I'm a bit I'm a bit mystified about this for right now. But I do think that better to you know accountability is a big thing. We talk about account. It really this all comes down to accountability. Beard still faces some amount of accountability, even if it's not legal, right? You you face accountability to the public and to yeah your your high your possible hiring managers right at schools, and the DUI coach over at Radford has has to face accountability to like the law for sure with his players and and with his school. And then in this situation, depending on the results of the investigation, there's a different kind of accountability that takes place. But I think just to, just to initiate it, just to get started, is a good sign. It, it shows that uh, Lafayette's not because they're not not every school responds swiftly to uh, possible student athlete concerns. So I don't know. We, we don't know now. This is a, to be clear. We don't know for certain which which constituency this came from, whether it was players. But you alluded to the the the, the speculation about. Um, you know, possible verbal abuse, which is what you would think would be coming from the players in that sense. So I'm glad that Lafayette is going to go ahead and take a charge here. And they're going to get to ideally, I, I think I would think from their perspective, the, as much of the bottom of this as they can get before the end of the actual college basketball season. Yeah, I guess we will just see what happens with this situation. This is another like uh, ongoing situation as this was, uh, it came out today. So we don't know much on this yet. We'll know more, and we will touch on it. I guess we'll see if he is still their head coach going moving forward or not. So we will follow that. But moving forward, just going to run through some transfers, injuries, recruits. Um, Brian Freeman has entered the transfer portal officially from Notre, no, Notre, Notre Dame. Why did I say Notre Dame? Rhode Island. He entered the transfer portal from Rhode Island. We hinted at this last week. He was dismissed from the team. We knew he was going to enter the portal, but just wanted to make a note that he's officially in. Along that same line, um, Wyoming's uh, Ethan Anderson and Max Agbong Polo, they are also in the portal. Jake Hyman is not in the portal. I guess I will see if he even cares to play college basketball again. Um, but yeah, those two guys entered the portal. All three left the team last week. I guess we will see where they end up. Both, uh, both like mid plus caliber players. Freeman is a little better, but obviously has I don't want to say obstacle issues. Maybe he just didn't fit necessarily uh, with Coach Archie Miller. Um, I guess I guess we'll just see because he's a very talented player and definitely showed that in times, but also inconsistent wild at times. Um. Hawaii got a transfer portal pickup and Matthew Cotton from Yale. He did not play this season, but uh, played last year uh, and where he averaged 7.1 points, 3.6 rebounds for a Yale team and ended up making a tournament. Um, if this isn't peak transfer portal season, we probably don't even come close to mentioning his pickup, but there's just no transfer portal news uh, involving commitments right now. And Cotton is a, relatively solid uh pickup so you know shout out to mr cotton on his commitment to hawaii very good uh defensive program 
down there in Honolulu. So, yeah. And speaking about transfers, we have, if any college coaches are listening to this podcast, I'm not sure if they do, but just know we have something big in the works. And this may be officially announced in next week. Um, we're kind of waiting on some other factors out of our control before this news is released to the public. But if any coaches at the collegiate level are listening to this, um, particularly like D1, uh, D2 as well, we have some big news coming up. And that's all I'm going to say. It's probably all I'm allowed to say. Um, going forward, uh, Colin Castleton for Florida, he broke his hand. And this is unfortunate to see because this ends his college career. Was uh, Played a few years at Michigan, a few years at Florida. He was pretty bad at Michigan, honestly. Or maybe just never really got to shine. Um, but at Florida, he was a very good player kind of do it all ml couldn't really shoot but kind of like could uh i think he was a pretty solid passer um but he could uh definitely rebound could definitely uh score yeah so just sucks to see his career and like uh um i guess we'll see what he does next probably like a g league overseas player yeah he averaged like uh he averaged 2.7 assists this year so he's solid uh, passer from that big man position. Moving forward to some recruiting news. Four-star True Washington, who is the uncle of Ty Ty Washington. That, I had to read that twice uh, when I saw that. But yes, he is the uncle of former Kentucky player and current Houston Rockets player Ty Ty Washington. But True Washington has committed to New Mexico. What a pickup for Richard Patino. Lobos are rolling right now. Maybe not on the court, although they did get a big win at San Jose State recently. So maybe they're back on the court, but off the court, recruiting, this is a major pickup. Uh, you obviously got Donovan Dent last year. The Lobos are rolling on the recruiting trail right now. You'd love to see guys like this, like four-star guys, go to mid-plus leagues where they can really shine. I'm really Looking forward to seeing him play with the Lobos. Um, Notre Dame decommit, Parker Fredrickson. He is headed to Steve Forbes and Wake Forest, staying within the ACC this time. Um, previously, also at Oklahoma State decommit, but that was a while ago. But, yeah, he decommitted from Notre Dame following Bray's uh, resigning at the end of the season. Um, so... Yeah, he got released from his NLI and is headed to Wake Forest. Uh, 7-2 center, William Patterson. He is headed to Syracuse. Um, Jim Beheim continues to get talent. So, I mean, that's just the bottom line. Even though they haven't been necessarily winning on the court, they're winning off for the his court. Neck. We came for his neck, but he's got a seven-footer again. So Yeah, I mean, he's, he's even like... Just a quick note, in like these past years when they've kind of he's kind of been the downfall, like he's still been getting dudes. Like that hasn't really changed. Moving forward, um top 30-ish 2024 guard Paul McNeil has committed to NC State. 
uh, Kevin Kiesgeich always been able to recruit. On the court, he was a little skeptical, but this year he's been amazing. He's been amazing for the Wolfpack. NC State is good this year. They're going to be a tournament team. He saved his job, and he's also getting a four-star in 2024. And our last commit that we want to touch on is Demarius Owens committing to Marquette. He's a 2024 small forward. Moving on, we have another very interesting story that we want to talk about that's also came out today, so we don't know much details. Well, we, we know a fair amount, but... So, if you remember, Darius Miles was charged with capital murder a few weeks ago, and it, the details just came out today. And the main thing was that Brandon Miller supplied that gun to Miles... It was Miles' gun. He just kind of brought it to him. But this this is interesting. What were your first reactions on this? You, we're delving into a lot of difficult difficult talks to, ta- to tackle. It's hard to capture thoughts into one first gut reaction sentence other than there's so much that I'm still unclear on. This is there's the report about Miller having gotten the gun for miles i i'm troubled by the whole another example of just the you know we're not we're not a political podcast but like the circulation of the guns right up the road for me at the temple you know had the shooting of the police officer there and it's been nice to see the outpouring of student support there and with the violence happened there but but this incident at with the with the players of all alabama i it's it's young people. It's you know, kid. We're we're we we would consider ourselves young as well, Austin. You know, and uh, uh, these kids, both of these kids are so talented. Who are now, you know, now that we link Miller to this in a different kind of way as well. Um, with the, I mean, you made a note in our program notes, which you know is correct according to the facts that we have or that we think we ha- we we know at this time that the gun was registered as being Miles. Uh, still a serious situation, as you point out, Austin. I. I, I'm I'm really hurt. I like hurt isn't the right word. It's just it makes me all the more uncomfortable that now there's not yet another player who's linked to this. And it I don't I don't like Nate Oates. Like I, I guess I'm not doing a good job really explaining my feelings on it. And but I don't know that Nate Oates did a good job either chalking it up to a kind of that that wrong place, wrong time coaching phrase. Like kind of I usually say wrong place, wrong time when we're talking about you didn't get a you weren't there at your spot on the floor for a pass. Like the wrong place, wrong time. I don't even know if I would say that about this. Yeah, no, I'm I don't not, know. Not, I don't mean. I don't say that to say that I'm. I'm not trying. I don't know enough about Miller's reported involvement to really, you know, make any outrageous claims about you know tearing him down or not trying to do that. But I don't know that Oates should have even necessarily taken the time. Now I'm, we're we're media people, so it takes a lot for me to say maybe you shouldn't have commented on that. But I'm not sure that he should have bothered <laughs> commenting on that at this point. Yeah, um, not, that Oates, uh... but, not that Oates was his biggest part of this, but. It, it could be that the, as you point out as well in our show notes, that on the law enforcement end, they had kind of known about this, about Miller's um, report now, reported involvement, and that we're just now coming around to it. But they had already kind of been aware of it. But they, and with that, they didn't, they didn't pursue any anything legally related to Miller. So it, it it's more about when again talking basketball in a vacuum. If, we, if it's just the on the court that matters for the purposes of our discussion, it's another big distraction for one of the top teams, like a number one seed kind of quality team. And it's 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 almost like thirty for thirty, Stop. Like the deeper this gets, it's 
I don't know how I can trust Alabama to go the distance when this is weighing on it. Like, I don't know how this doesn't weigh on everybody in the locker room, but I want to let you jump in because I've, I've floundered enough on trying to find the right words for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how wrong place, wrong time at all connects a situation in where a player brought a gun to another player who or that weapon was ended up uh, killing someone. I'm I'm not sure how that falls under wrong place, wrong time. I mean, obviously, if Miller had known that they were going to actually kill someone, you think you probably wouldn't have brought it. But at the same time, like, I I don't know. It just uh, a little suspicious. I mean, I don't know, because um, I think from what I've heard, the gun was in Miles' car. And I'm not 100% sure on this, but like, and then he texted Miller to get it, who he was with, like, before um, they uh, split ways to bring it to him. Um, but I, I just don't really know what to make of this because, like, it was, I mean, yeah, I, I just don't really have, I just don't really know what should be done from like a legal from for legal from legal perspective or from just like a logical perspective like if you're miller like do you bring him the gun like it's his gun like he's telling you to bring it to him but like at the same time like well what is he gonna need that for is i mean well he did he did say i i this is coming back to me now he said for self-defense and Miles, I believe, included that in his text to Miller. Um, just, just a unfolding situation all around. Oates did not make the situation any better by basically playing it off as nothing. Like maybe, maybe legally, uh, Miller didn't really do anything in the wrong legally, at least. Um, but just like playing this off like as nothing is crazy. I mean. It sounds like Miller will not be getting suspended, anything like that. Law enforcement has already known about this. Miller is not in trouble with the law for this. Um, yeah, I guess we'll just see what happens. But at, at first, when I saw this, I thought it was Miller's gun, like, right when this, like, story was reporting. So, like, if that would happen, like, uh, that, there goes his career. But I think because, like, it was Miles' gun... I, I think Miller should be fine, but this is not a good look for the program. Or maybe, yeah, this is not a good look for the program because of also what Oates said. But, and then, like, um, yeah, I I don't know really what to add on to this. This is still a developing story. If any new things come out, if Miller gets suspended, we will touch on that in the next podcast. Another Alabama player, Jaden Bradley, was also present. He, um... He was not really involved. He was just kind of there. Um, Miles texted Miller to bring it to him. And, yeah, that's – it's just a crazy situation. I guess we'll see if this impacts him off the court. Because from a basketball standpoint, Miller is amazing. He is all guaranteed All-American, best freshman in the country, going to be a lottery pick. So if he's out even for, like, a game, then that just, like – that's not good for Alabama. I, Moving I really on, don't want to see yeah. this ruin—not ruin, but just tangle with the uh, such a bright future. It, the whole—I hate to see this. Good, like, young guys getting tangled with this is really the end of it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. But moving on to the actual games of the last week, there were games in college basketball despite people getting arrested, people getting charges dropped, all that stuff. And yes, their college basketball was played this weekend week, so we will actually dive into that action. Tennessee. I remember saying like before they really started to collapse that I didn't think they would go far in March, and uh, my point keeps looking pretty good. But interesting thing talking about Alabama is they literally beat Alabama this week. So like, th- I mean this this all kind of falls into what I've been saying. Like, yes, they're still a good team. Yes, they can still beat anyone in the country on a given night, but their offense is too inconsistent. Zakai Ziegler is, he's fine, but he's also, he's also the a big reason why they're too inconsistent. He's a good player, um, but he's not really someone you can consistently depend on to bring the offensive intensity, or not necessarily intensity, but just offensive production every night. Like, you never know it's going to be an off shooting night and for him or where he's just going to be missing layups left and right. Like I've seen him do at times this season. And you also have Vescovy who Vescovy is a little more consistent, but also not someone you can like consistently rely on to make a shot when you need it. I feel like he's been more like almost a catch and shoot guy this season. I don't know. if I mean, I haven't really watched. I mean, I've watched a fair amount of Tennessee, but I don't think Vescovy is a guy that just like takes over games. Like Vescovy is a is a good player. He's he's a very good player, but he's just not like your number one option on like a top four seed guy. Um, yeah. So yeah, but they beat Alabama. Then they lost to Kentucky, which we will touch on momentarily when we talk about Kentucky more. Then tonight they just lost to Texas A and M. Unfortunately, I did not get to watch like any games tonight except for the last few minutes of Marquette Crate, which I'm not super pleased about how that game went down, but um yes, a very busy day for me. I did not get to watch it, so I, I barely even looked at the box score, but like they lost to Texas A and M. Texas A and M and Kentucky are not bad losses, but those are like bubble teams, maybe a little bit above the bubble. I think I'd place both those teams in about like the eight nine range right now, the especially the way they've been playing. But like Tennessee, if you're like a one well not one seed anymore, but like three seed, four seed, two seed, like those those aren't games you can just be dropping left and right. Obviously they lost like Vanderbilt and Missouri last week who were even worse losses, despite the fact they were in buzzer beaters, like you're still in position to lose that game into final possession. So yeah, it's this is such a Jekyll and Hyde team and the highs are so high. Tennessee, it would be such if you want a thrill, then put you put your money on Tennessee to take it home, go all the way in March because you're probably going to be sweating out like every game from the round of thirty two on. It, now depending on the round of thirty two matchup, like you you could or even the first. You're telling me Tennessee couldn't be an upset victim if they just really had a a, a strong mid major draw and they had a bad offense or had like one of their subpar offensive days. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I see them dropping like the first round game. I think your defense is just like, yeah, is yeah. just too good. Um, Unless they keep falling. Like, I don't know if they can get that. If they'll keep like falling down to like that five seed range, if they get a team like 
I don't know if Oral Roberts would like match up well with how good their offense can be, but like some of those, some of those like twelve uh, thirteens are definitely dangerous. I just, I just don't really, I, I don't see Tennessee dropping a first round game, but after that, so it's, maybe I'm getting carried away. But after that, yeah, I just because like their offense can be good, like. Obviously, imagine how inconsistent Ziggler is. Like he he can be very good on nights, but he can be very bad on nights as well. So like we've seen some amazing offensive performances, blowout wins, but it seems like lately the trend has been too much disappointing offense and loss. They've lost five out of their last seven. They've lost their last two games. Um, and obviously. Uh, Barnes cannot win in the tournament, so that does not shape up well considering how they've been playing lately. Um, any final thoughts before we move on to Kentucky? Kentucky, oh gosh, we've we've been we're, we need to confront Big Blue. They need to confront us probably because they they yeah you, you, I know you'll tee it off. I don't want to give away too much, but like the ten on Rocky Top, they'll probably we talk about them skating. They'll probably turn it around. This is the this, some of the top half of the SEC starts to remind me of the Big Twelve, where they take turns going on mini runs of hot and cold, or relative hot and cold. So Tennessee, from when we pick later on, if Tennessee is on the agenda, which I want to confirm that they're not in our games of the week, but I, if we touch on the SEC roundup, maybe I, I I won't be afraid to shy away from Tennessee. I won't be I won't shy away from Tennessee because I I just don't I'm not going to let prior results dictate predictions anymore because it's been so topsy turvy. Why would I? Yeah, that is true. But and then we talk about Kentucky. Kentucky beat Tennessee, and quite frankly, Kentucky just dominated this game. I mean, the final score was maybe only ten points, but Kentucky was up by ten points the entire game. Um, I was, I believe, I watched this game kind of on and off. I was actually kind of watching uh, most of it because the, uh, the bracket reveal, which uh, we're we're not gonna really get into honestly on this episode. You've seen it. You've probably heard about it from all the major news outlets, but it happened, and there there weren't really any crazy surprises, I'd say. But yeah, the bracket reveal was on, and then the Tennessee-Kentucky game was on right after, so I think I just kind of left it there on uh, CBS. But yeah, so Kentucky, they they just took control of this game from the start. Tennessee tried to come back, but it was just too little, too late, just not good enough. One of the reasons, or if not the main reason, that Kentucky has been playing so late has been the emergence of Chris Livingston, who was a five-star freshman, a small forward, kind of disappointed, but has really been playing good lately, has been really connecting from the mid-range lately. Um, Yeah, I think, I I just, I don't know if he's going to stay next year because his stock kind of got killed by how bad he was early in the season. If he stays next year, he can be very good, but I guess who knows? But he's he yeah he had two great games this week, um where Kentucky picked up two Q one wins, one at Mississippi State, one at home versus Tennessee, and you look at tomorrow Wednesday, Kentucky has a very winnable Q one game against a previously mentioned Castleton less Florida team, so I would I would be. Uh, placing my hypothetical bet, obviously, as a NCAA athlete, I am not allowed to 
actually bet on games, but yeah. See, I'm, I, I I can't get you on this path, Austin. I apologize. I can't make all these all these references while we're while we're on recorded air. No, no, I, but I I would pick I would pick Kentucky to win this game, uh, and I I'm I, honestly maybe fairly comfortably with the um. With the Castleton injury, Castleton honestly kind of carried Florida this year. And without him, I don't think they can handle Kentucky, especially with a big man. Uh, Jason DeChobo is their starting center. And as much as I love him, I don't think he can really control Oscar at all. Um, so, yeah, Kentucky has been playing amazing lately. Um they're kind of, they kind of moved into like maybe like eight nine seed game, which is crazy. Like imagine if you said like um, preseason, like oh Kentucky's been playing so good lately, they're probably going to be like an eight seed now, <laughs> which is just crazy to think about. But that is that you had me laughing. I was on mute in our recording. You had me laughing because <laughs> they're playing so well. They're on such an upswing, and now they're an eight seed. Um, but no, you look up and Kentucky's third in the SEC, and it's such a long jam in the middle of the SEC. We probably, I think we should have talked about AM sooner, but Texas AM is finally ranked. I, I'm the only one who really Texas A&M is people, Texas but... AM is like 13 and 2 in a conference. It's, it's, and now we just, they're a half game behind Bama because of the, the loss that Alabama has had in conference play now. So I, we have to, we have to break in the Aggies a little bit too. But with that, all as all part of that, Kentucky is in the thick of things and we misread UNC in comparison. Yes, uh, last week we talked about these two teams disappointing from preseason expectations. We both said UNC we trust the most. Honestly, I don't, I don't know if I was really all in on this prediction. Um, I was, but I did. I I, I still like kind of like UNC's talent more. I um I, I don't know. Maybe does that make sense? Like they just have more talent that is like proven in the past, but like. UNC is 0-9 in Q1 games. Their one Q win, like Ohio State, I think we mentioned this last week, but that that's no longer a Q1 win. Ohio State is just, they've been transitioning from losing close games and not hurting their metrics. Just get blowing out. They're terrible now. Um, So, uh, yeah, like UNC has like no good wins. And this is very um troubling for them who they have been on the wrong side of bracketologies lately um yeah so they lost to nc state this week which was not a bad loss but like you gotta win a like a 2-1 game you gotta win a big game somewhere and unc has not won any of those games this season right you need a poker chip to play at the table of all the bubble teams and unc you, you gotta you gotta you know, you know what, or get off the pot at some point is the favorite phrase for bubble teams that I use. Like you, you, yeah, we're waiting on it from North Carolina, and it. I think we, you and I, like, are, we, we never want to like leave them out for, for dead because we like the talent on theory, but and this is like a just such, this is just such a big name and such a big brand, but that's not winning you games necessarily, and could have oh you really needed to at least you just needed to split Miami and NC State and I think they'd be on the inside of some of the some of the bracketologies and they didn't they didn't quite manage to do that. Virginia's on the list. But other than that, coming up, you get you have a high profile game with Duke to finish out that rivalry season series. But at least Virginia is at home 
for UNC. Yeah, like, that I, could, I could be see, a winnable game. I could see. I could see. I could. I don't want to say I could easily see it, but I. I don't know that I would have. I don't. I. I would consider taking North Carolina in that because the Tar Heels will have their backs against the wall and they they kind of know it's do or die time. Against Virginia, yeah. and also Virginia is not going to be a team that just like runs you out of runs you off the floor. So I mean, yeah. like I th- I think they could definitely stick around in that game at least due to Virginia style of play. But yeah. yeah, like we mentioned, like how UNC has this talent. Well, like their talent has been playing very poor lately. So yeah, I guess we'll just see what happens. Last year they were kind of in this position a little better, but like they were kind of being tied to the bubble team. Ended up being an AT, ended up making the national championship, ended up, they should have won it, honestly, if they uh, wouldn't have kind of fell apart in the second half. But, um, yeah, I guess we will move on from the Tar Heels, the Wildcats, and move on to some teams that are, like, kind of sneakily making their way onto the bubble, maybe? Nebraska and Vanderbilt, like... A few weeks ago, if you said, like, these teams were kind of, like, sneaky tournament teams, like, no way. But, like, I mean, neither team is there right now for sure. But, like, if these teams continue to win, win a few games in their conference tournaments, like, it's not, like, that far-fetched, really. And, like, you look at Nebraska, like, Casey Tominaga, I don't know if you've seen his stat lines recently, but, like, he has been lighting it up, Japanese Steph Curry, it's just been crazy to watch them. And then Vanderbilt, like, they obviously we've mentioned how they beat Tennessee in the buzzer beater. They also beat Auburn on a almost buzzer beater. It was a lot second layup by Ezra Manjone, Manion. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, those teams have been playing uh, great lately. And, like, this is just – well, the thing is, like, these teams are both, um, like – not great teams and they were projected to be not great teams and they were playing like that and then like recently like yeah let's just decide to just shake some things up let's just make things interesting and play like a tournament team and like both teams are kind of forcing their way onto into like that like next four out under consideration Vanderbilt maybe a little closer yeah I I Um, think so and part of that's the Big Ten being so deep right like I Will there be that much room for Nebraska at the table? And Nebraska is gonna, I that that Big Ten tournament path could be really treacherous. You, yeah, it'll it'll, it'll provide it'll provide upset. games though. It'll provide games. Right, that's true. Right, there's like, something to be said for that. Right, it's like the thing about Kentucky is the SECs provide them. They've taken advantage of the games that have been good good poss- possibilities for good wins. Yeah, I mean, uh, Nebraska could. They could theoretically win out. They have Minnesota at home. They should be able to win that. Or Minnesota's terrible. Michigan State at home. They can definitely win that. Iowa away. I mean, not gonna just proclaim them, proclaim, proclaim that as an easy win. They got killed by Nebraska at Nebraska earlier in the season, and Iowa has always kind of been a team this year that's kind of had some ups and some downs. And if uh, that could be a I don't. I don't know. I. I mean. I. I. I don't think either team actually makes a tournament. But like, it's just. I'm gonna. Of... I'm gonna. Not, I'm gonna side with the SEC team this time. I already messed up with Kentucky, so I'm gonna side with Vandy in the comparison between the two. Yeah. Part of that is, I don't. I don't. I. I doubt Nebraska beats Michigan State. We just saw Michigan State tonight. 
It's, uh, it's Michigan State's it's obviously. At, not... It's at Nebraska, though. I get that, but I think Joey Hauser and Tyson Walker can travel. They can travel. Uh... They can travel. I I I like the, I like Sparty a lot, and it's not just because of the inspirational, like obviously the emotional story, the storyline, the way the campus has come together, kind of through athletics in the last few days. Once again, kind of returning to East Lansing, but I. Yeah, I, I got a lot of confidence. Tom is a. I don't think Izzo's group is going to lose on the road at the Huskers. I don't see it now. Nebraska, I we I don't think I gave them enough credit. Maybe at certain times earlier this year because they played. They were up there. They were how far up there were they in strength of schedule or strength of record? Um, I mean they they played a, a lot of tough games. Just looking at some of the early games of schedule, they played like St. John's, Oklahoma, Memphis, uh, Creighton, Indiana, Purdue. K State, Iowa, yeah. and those were all before New Year. Obviously, some of those teams weren't amazing that I mentioned, but like that, that is a tough schedule. And yeah, I mean, they got some good wins too. Um, especially that Creighton win by 10 points on the road, which was huge. But yeah, I like, and I, I disagree with you over the Nebraska and Michigan State game. Nebraska's two latest wins have been uh, home Maryland and at the rack which I think are both better wins, better, tougher games in Michigan State. So I, I'm rolling with Huskers. They're going to have a packed crowd, which they actually like, kind of always do, despite them um, being bad typically. Um, the the one like biggest positive about Nebraska is almost like, basically in every sport, their fans will always show out um, despite poor performances as we've seen uh, most notably in football and basketball. Um, but moving on, another team that's kind of like making their way up there is Texas Tech, but like maybe Texas Tech is even kind of making more of a statement because like you look up there, you like they were really struggling. You look up their 5-10 and 10 league play, 16-12 overall, like that's not bad. And every win in the Big 12 is just an amazing win. They obviously just won at Oklahoma tonight. Uh, just before we hopped on the podcast, um, yeah, and in the uh last few weeks, they I mean they're on a four game win streak right now. They just beat West Virginia at West Virginia the week before that. They beat K State and Texas. Those games were both at home. Um, they have TCU at home in a few days. That's a game they could win at home. Like. They are not really that far away. They play no win in non-con, so they don't really have the wins there to uh, boost their schedule. But, like, every win, like, their past uh, four wins are easy Q1, like, easily Q1 games. So, like, I don't know. Like, they're 5-10 and right now. They're going to need to win some more games down the stretch, but, like, that's... If they go like seven, eleven, eight, and ten, and win a few games in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. tournament, like eh, they could make it. If, 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 no, but your your point is so valid. Like I looked at the non conference schedule, and gosh, I can see why they got smacked at the start of Big Twelve play because yeah, they, it was terrible. How, how could you be prepared by th- this slate? Like my gosh, the last three games, the last four non conference games, the Red Raiders played were Eastern Washington, Jackson okay, Eastern, State, Eastern Houston Washington Christian, is good. Eastern Washington is good. Eastern Washington is good, but that was a seven-point win for a Big 12 school. 
17 straight for the Eagles right now. Just one to see EWU. But but like if that's if that's your best EWU's athletic budget is always on like shoestrings. Like if you're Texas Tech, it can't be a single digit win, man. It can't be. Yeah, Eastern Washington is amazing. But if that's like your signature, I mean, that's obviously not a signature win, but if that's your best non conference (laughs) win, like it's uh they could have used Texas Tech could have used that game against Creighton as you as you recall. They They, could have have used the win. They could have used that game, um, for sure. But games coming up against TCU and Kansas. TCU is gettable. We'll talk about Miles. TCU. TCU's TCU's potentially yeah. gettable. I, I think really Texas Tech. We talked about the comeback they made on. It was they had come back to defeat Iowa State. Iowa State. Iowa State. And that sticks with me. Like that. That sticks with me. If you show yeah. that heart, that that's kind of a gut. That kind of gutsy heart. Yeah. That that like, was that was honestly what kind of. Yep. Turned the tables for them in the season. I say. Um. They they did lose their. Uh, two games after that, but like, I feel like still you can kind of chalk it up as being like this, almost kind of the start. Paired with uh, Amac being back lately, I watched a few minutes on and off of their game versus Oklahoma today. And when I watched the game, he seemed to be making a big impact. Obviously, like to see him succeed. Obviously, I'm sure you'd love to see him succeed having uh formally interviewed him during his time at Utah Valley. <laughs> but yeah, moving on. Um a few more. Obviously you just mentioned Mike Miles. Mike Miles is back and TCU is seems like they're back as well. They killed Oklahoma State, beat them 175, 25 point win. That was you you could just sell obviously um in addition, Eddie Lampkin has also been back and playing um, better. Hopefully, we see both those two guys continue to stay healthy. But, like, um, yeah, TCU did lose to Kansas at TCU by, like, I, I think it was four or five, which which is no okay loss. It's a game you probably wish you had, but at the end of the day, like, Kansas is very, very good. But... Yeah, TCU TCU is not a team I'd want to play in March, especially like I think we might have mentioned on last podcast, but like because Miles is out, they could get a lower seed. And that is not a team I'd want to see if I'm like a three seed playing them in the second round, because I think they are mm-hmm. like a three seed when healthy. Give us Tennessee versus TCU early in the tournament, because these are teams who shouldn't be meeting that early, but then it would be it would be a situation where maybe TCU has been flying under the radar and Tennessee, which Tennessee shows up. I would have, I would have so much for my popcorn after that. Like I, it'd be a bummer to have one of them go home the early on, but I hope Tennessee goes home early on because that's not a team I want to watch late in the tournament. (laughs) You're you're just going to want to see, you want to see volunteer basketball grinded out the number one adjusted defensive efficiency basketball. Come on now. You got, there's, there's beauty Mm. in that. Yeah, yeah, there is, but I don't want to see Zakai Ziegler miss uh, layups all day. But I'm, I mean, tennis. It depends what Tennessee basketball we're getting. Um, but yeah, uh, with the recent performance, I don't see Tennessee making a run. I do see TCU making a run, depending on their draw, obviously. But with Miles back, this team is like a top ten team, legitimately. Um, they have a pretty solid depth. They. But with like that star player back along with Lampkin, a big man inside, they can definitely use that. Um, some Big Ten notes: uh, Purdue has been 
I don't know if you want to call it struggling necessarily because like losing on the road to Maryland, Maryland is a very good team. Jameer Young played outstanding that game. Like, okay, whatever. But like as the former number one team in the country, probably a game you don't want to lose. Um, And just another case of like, get ED some help. Um, um, Fletcher Lawyer did have a good game. Him and Edie both finished with 18 points, but Edie almost kind of had a down game for his standards. He didn't play like bad necessarily, but played slightly under his preseason, or not preseason, his season averages and output. But yeah, this is another reason why I'm not project. why I probably won't be projecting Purdue to go super far in March because they just don't have a ton of offensive help outside of Edie, like, even though their offense is so great, it's basically mostly because of him. You just need these, uh, you're going to need these wild card guys to really hit, like, uh, you're going to need some big March performances from guys like Braden Smith, Fletcher Lawyer, maybe if you can get, like, some uh, three-pointers from David Jenkins, that would be great um like caleb first mason gillis all those guys are guys that you you just you just need to get some from them because you're always going to get stuff from Edie. and purdue's success will almost kind of be dependent on what everyone else does because yeah like you kind of know what you're getting with Edie. you just need the other guys to carry their weight as well yeah i i don't know that Big Ten landmines scare me away from picking Purdue to be. No, a really like I mentioned, like I mentioned, like, like this Maryland but, loss is like acceptable, yeah, right? But yeah. still, it, like it did, it just kind of reinforces the overall point about Purdue that they might not be amazing when you can kind of limit their other players outside of ED and even kind of limit ED like they kind of did to right. an extent. Yeah, how many ways can you win? Like, you, you, in order to actually make it to the Elite Eight, you're going to have to win, obviously, a number of consecutive games, and you're going to be required to win in a few different fashions. So if you're anything approaching one-dimensional as a matter of just principle, right, That that's that's somebody you're, we like to pick against, you know, especially if they're a popular, trendy favorite because of ED. But I also do think the certain some of these Big Ten rosters are some of the best teams. The, the teams are best equipped in the country anywhere to find a way to just withstand Edie and or even get him a touch below his averages. If Purdue's pat, like say Purdue's quadrant in the of a of part of the bracket is not overly heavy on I just think it's so matchup dependent for Purdue. Like I depending on the pathway that the Boilermakers have, I I would be I, I would I would be a little bit concerned about if they run into another Big Ten rematch with some of these one of these top half Big Ten programs. But yeah, well, I'm, I, I mean, that, what, I think what, if they get other... the right kind of draw, they could, they, if they don't run into a Big Ten school until the Elite Eight, they could, they could easily be in the in the Final Four. What other Big Ten team is making an Elite Eight though? Well, I well, when you let's take a let's take a look at how it how it shakes out. You're, you're going to get eight or nine Big Ten teams. Yeah, but Indiana I don't think any... probably I... Indiana is probably the best bet. Yeah, I I think they'd be the best bet outside of Purdue, but like I don't really see another team in this league that's really like. Uh dominant like i mean outside of purdue there's like just a bunch of like solid teams really but every now and then there's a team that's a p5 that is we view as being you know 
not not a, not not sleep not a deep sleeper but so, just merely solid right to use that in northwestern yeah, I, I, you know, I agree. You say northwestern already peaked with that win over purdue and then we're in a circular argument but um rutgers like rutgers, rutgers has been playing bad lately though but in the big picture they're gonna get in and, and they're gonna get in but they're i don't think they're gonna make the lead a i don't know i mean um not necessarily a Big Ten team in particular. It just if Purdue gets, it, it, it just at the bottom line, honestly, if Purdue's uh, players outside of Edie cannot pull their weight, they could be in some trouble. I, I think that's just what it comes down to. All right. So moving on to the other, another Big Ten school that we just uh, mentioned briefly is Northwestern. Like Northwestern is still winning, and they are ranked. The last time they were ranked was in 2021, which they proceeded to drop 13 straight games after being ranked. So hopefully we don't see that again. And we we won't because Northwestern is actually good this year. Um, I don't know if you were able to catch that win over Indiana the other night. Boo booey. Northwestern was uh, dominating the first half. Trace Jackson Davis was playing out of his mind in the second half. He was passing the ball, scoring the ball, rebounding the ball. He was doing everything for Indiana. He got him back into it. But Northwestern had the ball last and Boo Booey delivered, ending Indiana's hopes on a game-winning shot. Some people say it was a push-off. I don't think it was terribly I, – I don't think they should have called anything there, um, which, which they did not. Um, I think push-offs happen on a lot of plays, and this wasn't like a – Super obvious, blatant um, call. I, Indiana fans just like to argue, I guess. Um, but yeah, Northwestern, they've been rolling. They also killed Iowa uh, in, on Sunday, I believe. Uh, but yeah, they've just... Northwestern, the Wildcats have been rolling and like... They're just they're not just gonna make the tournament now. They might be like a five seed. Like I don't know. They have a lot of good wins. They don't really have bad losses. Their metrics are still not amazing, but like just you look at their overall body of work and how they've been playing lately, it's been amazing. Like Northwestern, Chris Collins, as we mentioned many times, he's saved his job. Yeah, this Northwestern. I I I I need to dive into the box score versus Indiana because you're like you're thinking, can Northwestern follow up the Purdue game? And and they do. How about Northwestern committing just four total turnovers and getting 13 takeaways from Indiana? So to be plus nine in the turnover margin really jumps out to me. Take a look at well, how well did Northwestern shoot? Northwestern was eight of 33 from three point land, and they still got the win. Now, Indiana only took 11 threes and was three of 11s, and it, it was really a wash there. But Northwestern shot 12 percentage points worse from the field than Indiana, roughly, give or take, and still came out at the win. Part of that's turnover margin. Yeah, well, just, that that's that's what turnovers will do to you. Overall, gritty, gritty defensive showing. When you look at team rebounding, Indiana out-rebounded Northwestern, and they still – so Northwestern maybe didn't even play up to its – Overall, it's it's greatest game the way it's really like the most flashy game the way the Purdue game turned out, but they still led by nine. Northwestern still led by nineteen at the half and withstood the Indiana surge. Like the Hoosiers really were not. They definitely came out of the locker room guns blazing. Uh, yeah, if, the, if that game would have gone to overtime, I think Indiana would have pulled it out. Yeah, there was no I can stopping see that. trace at that point. But Boo Booey, 
Bubui delivered. So which that was he has a March been doing type, a lot of that, that that was a template for winning in March, like a March that type was win. Like exactly gonna... what a March that was that yeah. game definitely reminded me of March. It's <laughs> crazy game. At the end, they were just going back and forth. And yeah, just Northwestern had the ball last. If Indiana had the ball last, they probably would have hit a game winning shot as well. There you go. Go cats. That's 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 what it comes down to. Northwestern. How about making Mike Greenberg, all these other alumni in sports media? We're gonna we're gonna hear them yeah. chirping, I'm sure. They got they must be proud because yeah, also, is, uh, it's gonna be one of the like biggest risers in among not only P fives, but in the whole in the whole landscape nationally. Yeah, also Northwestern alum Kevin Sweeney is a another uh college of basketball. Oh, that's a great uh, follow. He's a yeah, he's yeah. A great... I yeah, I also enjoy listening to his podcast. It was I I'd say it's probably better than ours at this point, but oh oh, we got to tip uh, our cap to Kevin, yeah, and we'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll make our way there. It's good. It's it's a long journey. Yeah, it, it's it's a good listen for any uh other anyone else anyone looking to to listen to expand the horizon. But please please don't stop listening to our podcast. We, we still want <laughs> you to listen. We still have lots of interesting conversation to say um we haven't even but... we haven't even hit mid-major tournaments yet we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have fun <laughs> yeah that i mean they're coming up in less than a week i think i think the a sun starts the 27th um that, that's gonna be i cannot wait for that conference tournaments like would you is it crazy to say that championship week is better than march madness I it, okay maybe certain parts of it or like part of it better than certain parts of March. I mean okay okay so like the first that- the first uh two days of March Madness where there's like so many games I think that's better than like anything but like right championship week is good like there's some good basketball like that's I, yeah, I, I cannot think- wait we're all we're like. I it's think the combined crazy time how span, fast time is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The combined time span between from Champ Week, if you want to call it that, like, you know, the ESPN's little like Champ Week to selections and then the the opening weekend, that's probably that's that that span of weeks is the single best. Is it like right? Like oh, yeah, obviously it's the best time of the year, like regardless yeah. of anything else. Like that, like I legitimately think that especially those Thursday and Friday of the NCAA tournament, like it's it's not crazy to say like those are the like maybe the two days of the year I look forward to the most like out of any day in the year, like I don't think I don't think that's like some crazy take to make like yeah I I cannot wait we're almost there which is like and then like that's gonna happen then the transfer portal is gonna be popping as well the transfer portal officially opened the window the sixty day window will open on. March thirteenth, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be so fun, and we will have you all covered. You know, maybe we could even like go live on YouTube for like some selection Sunday specials or something. Just just some ideas I've been don't, contemplating. Don't, don't let us don't let us get hot. Don't let us get hot. Yeah, we yeah. we we may just have to break it out. Yeah, well, stay tuned. If if we do that, you will hear about it from our, our social media platforms, which you should follow. But kind of uh, getting back on track here, uh, Kansas, um, we mentioned the Big 12 earlier, but let's slide back to Kansas's win over Baylor. They played, Baylor was playing their guards. Baylor has a great guard trio. They were they were just lighting up Kansas in the first half. The second half, like, 
what's going to happen is Baylor is going to keep pulling away. They did not, as Kansas outscored Baylor 34-9 the first 10 minutes of the second half. That was just amazing, and it just shows that Kansas is arguably the best team in the country. Like, Kansas has kind of worked itself into that conversation, and it's not crazy to say that Kansas is the best team in the country. A lot of that has fallen on Dewan Harris, who has kind of he's, – he's almost kind of the X factor because – if if he's like scoring a little, that just improves how good they are by so much. I think I read a statistic like um when he scores like more than like three points or something, they've won every game. I'm not sure if that's a hundred percent right. Let, let's let me look at the losses against Tennessee. He had two points. Um against K State, he had three points. Against TCU, he had zero points against Baylor on the road. He had two points and against Iowa state on the road. He had two points. So that is a true statistic. That all I, checks out verified yeah. live on air. All right. Yeah, or so live when, as we record. when you, yeah. when you can get that scoring punch from him or not necessarily a scoring punch, but just a scoring help from him. He can be, he can be a very good uh, piece there. And yeah, so uh, I think it's time for our game previews now, unless you had any notes on Kansas. My note on Kansas is that I picked Baylor over Kansas, if my memory is correct. Uh, I did, right? We have that on record. I, I last show. I uh, we have it on record. I, I honestly don't remember. Uh, I, I believe, I believe I went with Baylor because I remember seeing the halftime, seeing the Bears up forty-five to thirty-two at the half, and thinking, "Oh, okay, like <laughs> this is going to work out." And then Kansas drops fifty-five in the second half. Holy cow, Kansas! I apologize for the disrespect. Kansas playing with that one seed material, playing with that Big Twelve tournament champion material. Uh, yeah, I, I. Rock chalk. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, Kansas has been amazing lately, and no, no discredit to Baylor, who's also been playing some good basketball as of lately. Yeah, there's both, a reason I wrote both, Baylor. both teams. Both, well, both teams. Twenty two yeah. in the loss, so yeah. to Kansas. So I mean, and let's see. I think they're uh, George and Flagler, or George and George uh, Flagler and Cryer all had uh, very good games. I mean, like the first half, it was just like. Uh, those guys that were doing everything. Also, also Baylor did lose um, at K-State today. So, like I said, that was just kind of what I expected, honestly. So, I, did, I didn't get to watch the game or anything. So, no real notes on that one. But, yeah, like Flagler had 22, Cryer had 15, George had 20. And uh, a lot of those came in the first half. In the second half came, Kansas just completely ripped them apart. Um, moving on to our game previews, uh, we have some good games this weekend. As always, every game in college basketball is good, but in my opinion, uh, well, some games are not good games necessarily. But every game is. I'm I'm a, I, I would watch any college basketball game if I could, but moving on to so many games that you're really gonna want to watch this week. Uh, the first one is Northwestern at Illinois on Thursday. Um, I am rolling with Northwestern. Uh, I know Terrence Shannon has been out for the past few games. I, w- I would think he's back for this game because it's just a uh, concussion, not to downplay the, that concussions aren't serious or anything. 
But I feel like that's something that you kind of almost just get back from quicker and not have as many like issues down the road from. Um, but I'm still taking Northwestern. Like there's no stopping this team right now. Um, Illinois has kind of been a little inconsistent. So that's why I'm taking the Wildcats. I feel like the smart pick here would be Illinois, but I, you can't pick against Northwestern without they've been playing recently. Who are you picking? I was just singing the praises of Northwestern, but I also said earlier in the show that I wouldn't let prior, recent prior results, especially in the Big Ten and Big 12 is what I'm referring to when I say that. Like These two leagues, week, week to week, day to day, you look up and you see, oh, they were so red hot. What ha- what happened to James Jaws? What ha- what happened on this night? How did this happen? How did we get how did we get this outcome? It, it's in state Northwestern at Illinois. Illinois at home is such a big spot for them. Northwestern won't be sneaking up on anybody, let alone an in state rival. Uh, I it hurts. I, I'm going to take the Illini. I think there's a lot of value in taking a home a home underdog here. I. Illinois is favored by they're dog on near 80% ESPN analytics favorite. That feels a little bit excessive, but yeah, Illinois is Illinois a better say, team uh, a metrically. Dog, and I just think that'd be that much more motivation. So I, I like Illinois, yeah, but yeah, not Illinois, by a lot. Not yeah, by a Illinois lot. Is, is the better team metrics wise. So, and, and combined with that home, so they, they will be favored in that game, but yeah, I don't I, know. Yeah. Northwestern should get the Northwestern deserves the love, though. They deserve the love. I almost want them. Oh, to be oh for sure. Them. But I, yeah. I think I feel like a lot of those uh, lines are determined by the metric ratings, which I've been noticing. So, and plus, like you, like the three or whatever points that you add on for home games. So, then I will be favored, but I'm, I'm, I'm still rolling with the Wildcats. So I, um, I can't get credit for picking an underdog here, but I'm, it feels like an underdog. It feels like it's like a faux underdog. I mean, like, like I mean, like the way Northwestern is, like, I mean, if you want to put it a different way, Northwestern's ranked and Illinois is not. So, right. But see, I overvalued the AP top 25. It's just, it keeps yeah, me, keeps yeah, the AP, top, me barometer. AP top 25 doesn't matter at all, but um, that's, that's still kind of, I mean, you're still picking an unranked team. Over ranking, okay. you don't, you don't have guess. to you don't have to inflate my bubble too much. I, I I'm just gonna stick with my pick and pinch my nose. And even though I love the Northwestern story. Well, hopefully Northwestern wins, so I can uh, shove this in your face. But it, it hasn't happened too much. <laughs> I'm bound to have it happen. Yeah, yeah. I feel I feel like recently you've been hitting it a little more than I have. But uh, and obviously we haven't really been keeping track of the win loss records. That, that might be a good thing for me. Um, I'm not sure, but we have some good games on Saturday, including Texas at Baylor. Um, this is a classic pick the home team game. And I, that's for that reason, I'm rolling with Baylor. Obviously, we talked just like a few minutes ago how their guards are great. And I think their guards are still great. They're a trio of Keontae George, LJ Cryer, Adam Flagler, all great players. Combined with kind of working uh, Jonathan Chama Chachua back into things, back into the rotation. Um, I mean, Texas has been playing good basketball lately as well, I believe. So this this won't be an easy one for Baylor. If it was at Texas, I would uh, pick Texas. Yeah, Texas uh, crushed Iowa State at home tonight, which is not really surprising considering Iowa State is a uh, – they, they kind of only went at home at Hilton Coliseum as a um, 
My dad is an Iowa State alum, so I am a partial Cyclones fan, and I can admit that they're they're pretty bad in the road. They just uh, beat everyone at home, which is why they were in the uh, bracket uh, reveal as a three seed. But yeah. I, I this is a game going back to Texas versus Baylor, which is what we should be talking about. It's kind of a pick to home team situation for me when uh games are close. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I'm rolling with uh Baylor here. Baylor coming off losses to Kansas State in Kansas consecutively. That's a tough pair to play in succession. You you mentioned the tree. I feel the same way about the trio for Baylor. And I like Baylor at home. There's another in-state game. I we're basically in lockstep. These teams, though, are so similar in their team stats. They stack up really closely. So in the end, especially Baylor coming off two losses in a row, Texas has picked up a couple wins. But Texas also maybe had something taken out of it by going to be going to OT with OU. That's so that's you know Red River even in basketball has got to be got to be intense. That'll keep going in the SEC. But give me give me Baylor. Baylor, I'm gonna keep. I'm not gonna let the Kansas game that I got burned on with Baylor discourage me. Yeah. So looks like we're on the same page there. Um, St. Mary's at Gonzaga. Uh, I'm going Gonzaga in this one. Um, one game. I mean, I I would pick Gonzaga either way. Um, uh, because it's just at home, and I, and I I don't think they would lose to St. Mary's twice. Um. But one thing about Gonzaga, like uh, the other day they played they played at Loyola Marymount. Obviously, they lost at home. They were winning by forty at halftime. Like the score was sixty-two to twenty-two at halftime. Well, man, maybe this game isn't gonna be a very good one. But Gonzaga, like that, just kind of shows you some flashes, almost of the Gonzaga we've seen over like the previous few years of just like. Had yeah, they ended up winning a hundred eight to sixty five, but it was fairly even in the second half. Gonzaga probably could have won, but won by like sixty or seventy if they really would have put all the full forces in for the second half. So yeah, they just they. I mean, going off, yeah, especially going off of that game, and. Didn't didn't they only beat Pepperdine by like nine on the road? But still, I'm rolling with the Zags. I think they're 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 the more talented team. There's no way they lose to St. Mary's in the kennel and get swept. There's no way. I know we've talked about a theme of the show has been this isn't the same Gonzaga, but there are certain tried and true rules in college basketball, which is I I I don't think Gonzaga until it leaves the WCC. I don't think they're going to allow themselves to be swept by a conference opponent, even one as strong as St. Mary's. I don't like picking the Zags here because I think in the big picture, I'm higher on St. Mary's because I've, I've warmed, I've, 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 I've changed the temperature. I've, I say, okay, St. Mary's, I can get my, I can get my head around St. Mary's being the really better, deeper March kind of team. But yeah, situationally, the kennel, you said it, it's Gonzaga. You, you're, you're stealing my thunder. I gotta, I gotta lead off one of these picks. Pretty soon here, but you're the host. You're 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 the host leading off. I can't I can't I can't choose the format too much to my own advantage. But yeah, I'm going to take Gonzaga. But once again, not overly enthusiastically. Yeah, well, you know, then I'll let you lead the next pick. But before we get to that, I just, I just want to mention like this is this could be 40 conference title. 
I'm not exactly sure how the tiebreaker would work, but assuming both teams win their uh, midweek games, this could be that. I mean, Gonzaga would tie or yeah, Gonzaga would tie them in the standings. It's the last game of the season for St. Mary's, last conference game for Gonzaga. They have a matchup versus Chicago State on March 1st. Chicago State is kind of playing everywhere. They don't have a conference. They're just kind of all over the place. But this is the – it's basically the season finale for both teams, um, essentially. So both teams are going to have it all on the line. But, yeah, St. Mary's is not winning in – the kennel. Although, did they win there last year, or did they win at home? Yeah, they they, they went at the kennel last year. But and lightning strike wait, twice wait, 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 or three wait. times. No, they, no, they they went at home. Right. They went at home. I was reading that wrong. Um, so it's a different kind of lightning strike entirely. They, they right. did not win the kennel last year. Okay. Um. Yeah. I feel I feel like they won at Gonzaga one these years. Maybe. Um. Just. Hmm. Get the research department on it. Well, I'm go- I'm going back in previous years. Okay. I mean, they won at Gonzaga in 2018. I was thinking they did it more recently, honestly. But it, it, well, it's the it's a big event. It feels more recent. It does feel more recent than that. Time is time yeah. is time is giving us fits. But are, are am I? Do I am I'm I? Sure. I I don't have. Am I going to open the next next sec the next pick? Yeah, we go got, for it. We're going to lead to the Mountain West, San Diego State at New Mexico. Big game in the Mountain West on Saturday. That that Mountain West late-night CBS Sports Network slot has been so good to us this year. You're not yet. I see. It, it's been so awesome. This has a candidate to be that kind of game, Aztecs and Lobos. Now, New Mexico will be coming off of a game at Boise State earlier in the week. That is also one I did not include in the game uh previews didn't want to didn't really want to include it, new mexico twice but like that that'll be a game as well that'll be a game as well i i'm gonna take san diego state even on the road uh be, partly because i think that boise game right before i don't like that being the back-to-back matchups for the lobos certainly playing at the pit is not a simple task but San Diego State, one thing we know about, you know, road games, defense, travel. San Diego State has the number 20, Ken Palm, adjusted deficient, adjusted defensive efficiency. So give me give me SDSU in this one. Yeah, um, you know, I am rolling with the Lobos because they, they are going to need this win. They kind of fell out of the tournament after a rough stretch, but are kind of like right on the cut line right now. They're 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 they I'd say they're definitely out right now, but like they're right there. Like they could if they somehow went at Boise State, which is it's not like too far out of reality, then they could that that would be a Q one win. Being San Diego State at home would also be a Q one win. And they just uh they went on the road to San Diego State uh, a month or two ago. So I I mean there's no question they can definitely match up with this team and defeat them. Um, hopefully we see a hundred percent Jalen house this game. Um, but yeah, like San Diego state, it doesn't really, I mean, uh, let's see, what's the race for the conference today of that to play for? Because I know their, their tournament status, they're a locked to tournament. They don't really have anything to play for in that respect. Um, they are a game ahead of first Boise's right there. Yeah. Standings. Which which I could also be impacted by New Mexico's uh game at Boise in the week, but yeah, I, I'm rolling with the Lobos. 
the pit's going to be rocking for this. Like the pit, the pit's always a great venue, but like when you have a game like this, they will be welcoming a top 25 Aztec team. This San Diego state team is they're They're very good. And this will be a matchup that I am definitely wanting to see. Um, Let's see. What you know, time you know is who's this? rooting for who's rooting for New Mexico here, or not? Or I'm at that. My, excuse me. You know who's rooting for San Diego State here, North Carolina and other schools like because you that, don't want to see you don't want to see a, exactly like a mid, a not I don't mean to say mid, but like um that one of those teams that could be arising at large from Mountain West take a get a really quality win that UNC doesn't have. I'm trying to see what time is it. this game tips at ten p.m. Eastern time. Not sure if I'm gonna get be able to watch it. I have a very busy Saturday. But Student athlete on the we, on the we pod. We will see. I feel it's, you. I feel you. I I can uh, hold it down. I can probably hold it down because I I, <laughs> I I made a pretty hard line pick. I introduced the I not only did I introduced the pick, but I, I I backed SDSU pretty hard. So might have to back that up. Yeah. Um. Well, we have one more game and closing out the podcast. I am the host, so I will take this one um indiana at purdue um i i'm going with purdue just i think they have the home crowd behind them like we mentioned the pit you that's the crowd that really gets the the fans really get that place rocking i'd say Mackey is even better in that uh respect um purdue obviously could also really use a statement win they have historically, the past few years, been very good against the Hoosiers. Despite falling to them earlier this season, I think they're out for revenge. I think they don't lose to Indiana at home. Yeah, boiler up is is the pick here. Purdue will be playing. Not only, What adds to it is not only the loss to IU in their last meeting, but the losses to Northwestern and Maryland on the road. They add, I think they add up, and just, Purdue's a different kind of animal. I so we saw our friend Jeff Goodman tweeting about Mackey's atmosphere in the student section being really up there with everybody. Really, you can put those kids against up against most in the nation, especially when they have a number one team or what has at times been AP number one to root for. So, yeah, it it's it's Purdue here. Uh, it's not a slight to Indiana. If Indiana wins this, then we're gonna we're gonna have that much more to chew on for Indiana because that 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 could be a sign that Indiana has the medal of a really really deep march run, but. Uh, it won't be any shame if they can't get it done in uh, in really hostile enemy territory. Yeah, well, we are podcasting pretty late. It's approaching midnight in Central Time. Dan, you're on the East Coast. It's approaching one a.m. We, you might be sleeping, but this podcast is not sleep. Um, you're right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess any final thoughts before we wrap the podcast up? I think we are in for such a great Saturday. We, you and I have been kind of talking about the February 25th Saturday for a little while, looking at St. Mary's Gonzaga and now Indiana Purdue's kind of risen to that level. Uh, Texas Baylor is in state. Northwestern Illinois is a Thursday night, but that's in state. I, I love that we're getting these very, like, not only, obviously, they're conference games that are so critically important, but they're also recruiting battlegrounds and regional rivalries. It's, it's a special, it's a special week that kind of warms us up for, uh, all this to come in conference tournament time. And on a on a light more lighthearted note, I have my intramural basketball season opener Wednesday night. So everybody, as you're listening, I may or may not be 0-1 by then, but 
I'll let you know how that goes. Also, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have my to get team, some updates from you on that. My team is uh, signing free agents as we speak. We're looking to build out the roster, and we we have a very difficult strength of schedule. So we'll see how things <laughs> shake. What uh, what position are you like? Are you like um, point guard, shooting guard? Um, well, our point guard has class during our tip or like shortly yeah, at, yeah, a half hour yeah. after our tip time tomorrow. So we, not our starting point guard, I might have to slide into a spot, but I'm not the strongest ball handler. I'm more of a facilitator first. I don't know that I want to necessarily take the ball. I don't want to. I'm not a very good commander of an offense, but I can. I do like to think that I can pass the basketball to find the open man. We have a certain three-point shooter who I want to find in the corner. It's our game plan, find our find our special three-point specialist. So um, I'd say my best role is uh, somewhere between two and three without being in the way of the big guys. Yeah, well, we will definitely get updates on <laughs> how that goes. And just a, just a quick score update. Um, yep. San Diego State is... Uh, Beating up Colorado State pretty bad. They're up by 21 right now with like a minute left in the game. Yeah, they've this been game, leaning on them in yeah, the second half. Yes. No doubt. Um, so just to know, like going back to that New Mexico matchup, San Diego State will be rolling in coming off a big win. Who Like San Diego State, their previous game was at Fresno State, which was a two-point win. Their offense was terrible, but their defense was amazing. And that's what won them the game. Um, this game, their offense played much better. So, yeah, just just know that they will be playing with more offensive momentum, you would think, rolling into that game. But it is officially midnight in Central Time, officially uh, 1 a.m. on the East Coast with you. This is a late night for both of us. So, yeah, I mean, we will be back next week. We uh, may get around to that mid-major um episode we really have to get to it soon if we're going to get it in before the conference tournament starts to really creep on us too fast with our busy schedules but yeah i guess that's a podcast any more and no more intramural basketball uh comments uh, i i don't want to give away our, our, our plan too much i i have too many supportive uh supportive friends in newark are going to turn it over turn over the tape to our opponent i have a buddy he, he's he's already trash talking me so i don't want to give him any more ammo by speaking anymore yeah, there, there's a chance that your opponents could be listening to the podcast and uh, figure out all your game strategies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll be on high alert. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> our, our podcast is very popular uh, among Delaware intramural basketball players. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of kids. Don't underestimate the power of that, that this league. There's like 20-plus teams, man. So we, I'm not saying we'll finish in the top half of it, but there are 20-plus teams. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, uh, with that being said, um. We have a lot of great basketball this week. Also some uh, great intramural basketball. Great might be uh, not the right word for that. We have some mediocre intramural basketball being played in Delaware. But also some great college basketball, which uh, will actually be watchable. So, yeah, we will report on that once it happens. But, yeah, until next week, we will see you and have a good week, guys.